Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. So today we're starting our brand new series at the movies, and I'm so excited, as Sean said, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to take these great movies that you've watched, or maybe you haven't, and we're going to pull some biblical truths from them that apply to our lives here today. Now, before we dive in, though, I just want to pause, because I think it's easy to move on from past last week and to miss an opportunity to celebrate. You know, look, I, I'm a huge sports fan. I'm excited to celebrate the Mavericks as they win tomorrow night. I know it's going to happen. I feel good about it. I'll be excited here in another month or two when the Rangers win another game. I mean, it's going to be great. <laughs> but we also have permission, and I want to give you permission to celebrate things that are eternally significant. And the reality is last Sunday, we had five people who went public with their faith to get baptized. I don't know about you, but that is something that we can celebrate. Amen? Amen. Last Sunday, we had three people text in that they gave their life to Jesus and salvation, and that is something to celebrate. Amen? And last Sunday... Since COVID began in March of 2019, we had our highest attendance yet last Sunday, and we're so grateful for that, amen? And I just want to say thank you for inviting friends and family and neighbors. Several of you came up to me afterwards or even beforehand, and you said, hey, I've got a neighbor coming, I've got two neighbors coming, I've got a family, I've got a friend, and I love getting to partner with you, and I know what that means when you tell me that. Don't screw it up. They're coming, all right? I know, and I'm cool with that. I love that we get to partner in this way because every message that we're preparing, this is what we're thinking. You're going to bring somebody with you today, and we want to be ready for them so they hear the gospel today. That really matters to us. So I love when we get to partner in that way. When you tell friends, coworkers, and family, hey, just come sit with me. And you brought them like you did last week. Way to go. By the way, if you're visiting today, we are so glad that you're here. It's a perfect time because we're kicking off a brand new series called At the Movies. Now, what we're going to look at today is a movie that's animated. And I got to thinking, I don't know what your favorite all-time animated movie is. But we're going to look at the top five all-time animated movies according to... Rotten Tomatoes. So whatever filter they use, that's the one we're going with. But here it is. The fifth most popular all-time animated movie is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. How many of you have seen that movie? Good. It's been out for 85 years. If you haven't seen it now, <laughs> you're probably not going to see it. All right. Fourth most popular, according to them, animated movie of all time is Coco. How many of you have seen Coco? I love, I love the awe, the emotional response. Some of you are, are already there. All right, third most popular all-time is Inside Out. How many of you seen that? Yeah, a few more. Okay, that was really good. All right, second most popular animated movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This is the 2018. How many? Wow, you're already raising your hand. Yeah, okay. Most popular all-time, according to Rotten Tomatoes, is Toy Story 4. Yeah, it was this that threw me off three years ago. How many of you have seen it? 
Okay, a lot of you seen it. Very good, very good. All right, so today, the movie that we're going to look at and we're going to learn from is Encanto. Yeah, wow, you guys are excited. Well, I'm glad that you've heard of it. That's good. I hope, and if you haven't ever seen it, that's great. We're going to walk you through it today, and and, uh, we're going to learn a lot from it, I believe, today. Let me give you the overview of the story. The story of Encanto is there's this star or main character. Her name is Mirabel. And Mirabel is someone who is born into a family that has extraordinary gifts and talents, but Mirabel has no apparent gift or talent. She has an abuela who is very judgmental toward her because of her lack of talent. To give you an idea, Mirabel actually lives in the shadow of a mother who has this incredible gift of healing people through her cooking. She has two sisters, one that has an extraordinary gift of being strong and lifting heavy objects, and another sister who has the ability to raise beautiful flowers, but not Mirabel. She has no apparent gift, no apparent talent, and she spends the movie realizing that she doesn't quite measure up. And that's the question I want to kick off and get you thinking about. What do you do when you don't measure up? What do you do when you realize, I just don't quite measure up? As I look around, as I have relationships, as I look through social media, I don't feel like I measure up. Let's be honest, we live in a world that values certain things like how we look, how we dress, what we have, what we do, where we go. We live in a culture that values likes and followers and retweets and mentions And culturally, if you don't have looks, if you don't have money, if you don't have things, if you don't achieve certain things, culture does value you less. But that isn't new to us. That isn't like a 2022 thing. In fact, that's an ancient value system that has been around for a really long time. And the Apostle Paul is going to address where this thinking comes from And then we're going to let the movie Encanto help walk us through how that looks today to be in the world in which we live and the things that are valued. And then we're going to let the Apostle Paul give us an alternative. So with that said, if you've got your Bibles, what do you do when you don't measure up? Well, let's look at what Scripture has to say. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's one there in the pew. You can go and look at the table of contents. Find the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 2 today, beginning at the very start of that chapter. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Look what it says. Now, if you aren't normally here, in fact, if you aren't even a follower of Jesus, you're not even sure you believe, and you're not even sure that's your thing, hey, we are just so glad that you're here. I hope you'll just kind of lean in and look at what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, Paul is writing this specifically to you, and he's saying, this is what's past tense in your life, or what should be past tense in your life. Look what he says. As as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Watch this. In which you used to live. Here's the thing. This is so powerful. When you followed the ways of the world. In other words, there's a pathway or a pattern of thinking in the world in which you and I live. That's so incredibly important. Paul points out something. See, I think sometimes we think, oh, that's a democratic thing, a republican thing. That's that's for the people who come from a different state or a different nation. They're the ones who think that way. And Paul goes, no, no, no. There's a pattern of thinking in our world 
that values the wrong things. And look where he says it comes from. He says, there is a there is following the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. In other words, there is an author and that is spiritually dark where this pattern of thinking comes from. This isn't a new 2022 thing. This letter is 2,000 years old. It is as old as time, this pattern of thinking in our world. All of us, he says in verse 3, lived among them at one time. Here's the result of this pattern of thinking that we gratify the cravings of our flesh and follow its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. What do you do when you don't measure up? Well, I gotta tell you the story because Pastor Dane, who's our student pastor, was just telling me this week, after he graduated from high school, he became a lifeguard at a swimming pool and he would work the deep end of the pool where there was a nice slide that would go into the pool. And his job was to take a large uh, measuring stick and make sure the kids were of the right height to qualify to get onto the slide. And he said he remembered one day there was a kid who came on up to him. He measured him. He was a couple of inches short, said, I'm sorry, you can't ride the ride. You're not quite tall enough. The kid was disappointed and walked off. And then about a minute later, this kid's mom comes up to Dane and says, did you just tell my kid that he's not quite tall enough to ride this ride? He goes, yeah, I just measured him. He's a couple of inches short. He goes, she said, well, you know, he's a great swimmer, and he's always been allowed to ride the, the ride. He's never been told he was short before. What's the problem? She, then she goes, she just got personal. She goes, you lifeguards are all the same. You never let our kids have fun. And, and she got so upset that this is what she said. She goes, I want to know where your manager is because I'm going to get you fired today. Well, there you go. And so... Dane knew that the manager was a, a man of integrity, and so after the shift, Dane goes up to the manager and says, uh, hey, did that lady come over and, and talk to you? He goes, yeah, actually she did. And, and, and I'm curious, uh, the manager said, so what happened? Did the kid not make He goes, yeah, he was, he was two inches too short. And, uh, and, and the manager kind of dropped his head. He goes, oh, man, he goes, that's my fault. I gave you the wrong measuring stick. That one's actually two inches too long. He's actually perfectly tall to get onto the slide, my bad. And Dane's like, yeah, right? Like, that's, that's not good. Here's the question. What if you went through your entire life with the wrong measuring stick? I think that's exactly what Paul says we're doing in this world. We have a pattern of thinking that's telling us these things are valuable and it's the wrong measuring stick. The question is, how do you know if you're using the wrong measuring stick, if you're valuing the wrong things? And see, I think this is where the movie of Encanto actually really helps us because it says, okay, in 2022, here are the things that we're measuring and we're overvaluing. It actually gives us a, a, an opportunity to evaluate this is the wrong measuring stick. And so what I want us to do is see three signs that we're using the wrong measuring stick. Number one, you know you're using the wrong measuring stick when you prioritize what you produce or when you prioritize what other people produce. You're using the wrong measuring stick. I can just be, be honest with you. I, I, I had a pastor friend of mine this week who said, pastors, be careful. You're not as good as Easter Sunday and you're not as bad as the Sunday after Easter. I needed to hear that. 
You're not what you produce. You're not what other people produce. And in the movie Encanto, there's an early scene where Mirabelle begins to believe that. And it's a wrong measuring stick. I want you to see. Check out the scene. What are you doing? Uh, they were just asking about the family. And... She was about to tell us about her super awesome gift. Oh, Mirabelle didn't get one. You didn't get a gift? Um... Mirabel! Delivery! I gave you the special since you're the only Madrigal kid with no gift. I call it the not special special since, uh, you have no gift. Thanks. Oh, and tell Antonio good luck. Last gift ceremony was a bummer. Last one being yours that, that did not work. Mm-hmm. If I was you, I'll be really sad. Well, my little friend, I am not. Because the truth is, gift or no gift, I am just as special as the rest of my family. Who wants more pigs? All right, guys, where do I drop the wagon? Maybe your gift is being in denial. Maybe you can relate. You don't feel like you have a gift or a talent like Mirabelle, and maybe you think, okay, everyone else has it. I don't want to be in denial. I'm trying to figure out how I can earn it. Let's be honest, in the culture we live, isn't that what's celebrated? What someone else is achieving, maybe it's what they are able to do, the fitness level they've achieved, how they look, how they dress, where they go on vacation, what their house looks like. This is what we celebrate, what other people produce. And this is relevant because this reveals it's the wrong measuring stick. It's the wrong value. But it's not the only sign. There's another sign. Here's the second sign that says you're using the wrong measuring stick, and that is you keep an eye on others as your priority. This is the idea of looking around to determine how you stand. And there's this great scene in this movie where Mirabelle realizes she's not quite okay, and her insecurities kind of bubble up. And I want you to check out this scene. Don't be upset mad at all don't feel regret or sad at all hey i'm still a part of the family madrigal and i'm fine i am totally fine i will stand on the side as you shine i'm not fine i'm not fine
love the vulnerability of that line where she says, I will stand on the side as you shine, as if one requires the other, right? I don't know about you, do you ever struggle with comparison like I do? Like where I'm not, am I as good a dad as him, a good a husband as him, a good as pastor? Am I as good a follower of Jesus? Am I as good a leader? Like looking around, you ever struggle with that where you think he has more than me, she's prettier than me, their kids, you know, behave better or they're a better mother or they're a better dad and we look around, you know, we don't have a marriage, I wish I had a marriage, we don't have children like they do, I wish we had children, grandchildren, the retirement, the health, like we compare, we look around and it's so easy, isn't it, just to compare and evaluate yourself based on what you see by keeping your eyes on others. And I just want to tell you something you already know, but maybe you haven't figured out the formula. I want to give you the secret formula. If you want to lose your worth real fast, here's three steps on how you can do it. Here it is. If you want to lose value in yourself real fast, you just simply take your eyes off of Jesus, put your eyes on someone else, and evaluate where you are based on where they are. That's all you got to do, and you'll feel really horrible really quick. Or you'll feel really arrogant. It's fascinating how I can find somebody who I don't think is quite as good, and all of a sudden I feel kind of good, right? It's sort of like I can either compare myself to Billy Graham, uh, Mother Teresa, or I can compare myself to Hitler. It just depends on how I want to feel right in that moment, right? And this is the same way, but when we put our eyes on other people and we begin to compare, guess what? It's an indicator that I'm using the wrong measuring stick. Oh, but it's not the only way. In this movie, we see a third way. There's a third way that we're using the wrong measuring stick, and it is simply this. You cling too tightly to your gift or to your talent or to your advantage or to your blessing in life. Whatever that thing might be that is good and you enjoy is tempting to cling too tightly to it. In the character, Maribel, she has a sister named Louisa, who's extraordinarily strong, and she loses her gift, and instead of being disappointed, she's devastated. Check out the scene. Where are you coming from in such a hurry? Uh, I'm sorry. I was, what um, is in your hair? My I've, gift! I'm losing my gift! What? Mirabel and I were having this little talk about me carrying too much, so I tried not to carry so much, but I realized it was putting me behind. I knew I was going to let everyone down, and I felt really bad, so I was grabbing all the donkeys. But then when I went to throw the donkeys in the barn, they were heavy. <laughs> She's lost her gift. Now, all of us lose whatever gift or advantage we have or blessing. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of time, isn't it? I remember when I was in Ventura, California, living there, that there was a group of men who were about to retire, and they began to meet together as they walked through retirement. And what they were surprised to discover was that some of them were disappointed, and some of them were devastated because they felt like they lost their identity from being having a place of, of authority and respect and purpose to suddenly going to the garage every day and trying to find a project that would keep them busy for the entire day. And so they began to meet, and they still meet every Thursday morning at Chick-fil-A there in Ventura, simply because they wanted to help navigate the same season of life because for some of them it was devastating to lose their identity that they had clung to so tightly. Here's the thing, we're all going to lose whatever blessings we've been given in this life, all of us, no exception. It might be for you a divorce where you lose your identity as a married couple. It might be through losing your job. It might be through uh, losing a home. It could be through wrinkles and gray hair and all of a sudden you feel like you're losing some sense of your youth. Whatever you have been given in this life will eventually leave. And the truth is, if we put all of our 
our hope and we cling to something temporary, it's not a matter of if but when we'll have a crisis of identity because it will eventually depart us. And I love how simply clear it is in this movie that this is an indicator that we are using the wrong measuring stick when we cling to something that's temporary. Well, finally, the script begins to flip, and there's hope to realize, oh, it's not what other people produce. It's not by keeping my eyes on others. It's not by uh, over-clinging to the gift. And all of a sudden, there's this scene that begins to turn in this movie, and where Maribel's mom takes her in the kitchen, and she has a quick conversation with her, and she sees in her value beyond her gift, or in this case, lack of gift, and it's a very touching scene. Watch the mom talk to the daughter here in this scene. Check it out. Today was very hard for you. I wish you could see yourself the way I do. You are perfect. Just like this. You're just as special as anyone else in this family. I wish you could see yourself as I do. You are perfect. Now here's what is hard and maybe impossible up to this point for you to believe. This is what God says to you. I wish you could see yourself as he does. You are perfect. Some of you push back on that because you're like, no, 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 I know what I did. I know what I've been thinking. I know what I didn't do. Hang with me. God sees you as perfect, and I'll explain that in just a minute. But he looks at you, and you know what he wishes? He wishes that you could see you as he sees you. Your creator has that much joy in who you are. Now, I I know this is almost impossible to fully wrap our minds around, and so Paul is going to flip the script here, and he's going to introduce the right measuring stick. Let's go ahead and introduce the correct measuring stick. It's in the next passage, Ephesians chapter 2, the very next verse, beginning in verse 4. I hope you've got your Bibles. Look what it says. Paul now switches. He says, yes, there's a pattern of thinking in this world that the prince of the air is the author of, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. With Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Now, skip down to verse 8, because here it goes. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved. And here's the only part we contribute, through faith. And here it is. And this is not from yourselves. You can never produce it. You can never achieve it. It is not from yourselves. It is the Gift of God. This is the way Encanto should have ended. The gift that we all want, the gift that we're all searching for, the gift that all of us find joy and meaning in, it is right here. It is salvation. It is the gift of God. That's why I'm so excited about last week because three more people at least that we know of found the gift of God. Salvation in Jesus Christ. God himself says it is the best part of you when you give your life to God and you contributed nothing. The best part of me is salvation and guess what part I had in achieving it? Nothing. Isn't that the ultimate paradox in the human existence? That the thing that we desire and the best part of us we can do nothing to contribute and nothing to achieve and yet Paul says there is a pattern 
pattern of thinking in this world that is convincing us we don't have value until we achieve. And God comes along and says, nope, you have value and you can never achieve it. I've already given it to you. It is the gift of God. Then he goes on to say, it is the gift of God not by works. You can't earn it. You don't have to earn it. So that no one can boast. Boy, does he know how we are, right? Because as soon as God lets me have any part of it, I am posting that sucker on social media, right? You will not be able to boast for your salvation. It is a gift of God. And then watch this. For we are God's handiwork. You're a masterpiece. It says, created in Christ Jesus. You're covered in his grace. You're not only created by the creator of this universe, you're covered in grace that you can never out And then he says, and I give you purpose. I give you purpose in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, you were created for the benefit of other people. You were created to do good works, just random good works that I'm just going to kind of do occasionally. No, no, no. Good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. That's the purpose that you have. This is a big deal because Paul is shifting from the wrong measuring stick, which is focused on you, to the right measuring stick, which is focused on God. And I love this movie Encanto. Encanto, the way it ends, is basically saying... Your gift isn't what's valuable. You are what's valuable. You are what's awesome. And that is true, but Paul now tells us why we are awesome. And this is a big deal. He's saying God is not like the grandmother. He doesn't look judgmentally upon you just trying to point out your failures. The grandmother, she, she would look at Mirabelle and how she would be so critical. She would look at Bruno and how she would be so critical. And I know we don't talk about Bruno. But the reality is, we serve a God who says, you are my handiwork. And then, I believe knowing that, we can now look at the right measuring stick, which is God himself. And so I want you to see three ways that you can now know if you are using the right measuring stick in your own life. And number one is simply realizing the sign is You're not prioritizing what you produce or what others produce. You prioritize what God is producing. And guess what? You are a product of the creator God. He has designed you in a unique way, creating you. You are already of value because God has produced you. And you're like, yeah, but I haven't done anything yet. Exactly. You don't get to earn this. It is a gift of God that you exist. It is a gift of God that he sent his son Jesus to the cross to cover your sins. And it is a gift of God that you've been given purpose that he has preordained in advance for you to accomplish for the benefit of others. You didn't do any of that. And yet you have value because all of those things are true. You see, the wrong measuring stick says that we're going to try and pursue value by performing. And Paul comes along and says, no, no, no. You perform from value, not for value. You already have worth. You don't have to go and achieve it. It has been given to you. And that's why I love this Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It's going to be our memory verse for this series. I know you were thinking, oh, he forgot the memory verse. No, we put it here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's handiwork. I love this word so much. I'll tell you why in a minute. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, this word handiwork, it simply means poema. This is the original language. And guess what English word we get from this word? Poem. You are God's poem. You are God's masterpiece. 
You have been uniquely created and no one shares your fingerprint. No one shares your DNA because you are an original creation. Paul says, from God himself, you are God's handiwork. That's a powerful thought, isn't it? And we should never devalue you. You should never devalue you. You should not let anyone else devalue you. You are God's handiwork. So this is our memory verse. I want you to say this out loud with me. Ready? Say it out loud with me. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2.10, amen. I'm telling you, all of us at some point in our lives, we will struggle with worth, we will struggle with value, and in the dead of night, when you need something to battle those thoughts, which again, Paul says is the pattern of this world's thinking, this is, the, this is your armor. This is something to memorize. This is something to cling to. This is something to put into your memory bank, and it can serve you well. The rest of your life, you are God's handiwork. So here's another sign. In addition to prioritizing what God produces, the second sign is to keep your eyes on him instead of others. And this is very important. The reality is we are more aware of others than we've ever been. I know what some of you ate this week. You've shared it with me on social media, which is totally cool. I enjoy looking at that. But I have to keep and you have to keep your eyes on him. That means, how do you, say, how do you keep your eyes on him? We've got to be in the word individually. We've got to be praying individually. We've got to be out in creation so that we can unplug and be with him. I've got to be in community with other people who are following Jesus. I have to be in potential. And I would even go as far to say, for every minute you spend on social media, you ought to spend at least one minute focused on him. Because if you don't, you'll start to adopt the wrong measuring stick because your eyes will be on them instead of him. May we keep our eyes on him. He is the author, he is the finisher of our faith. We must keep our eyes on him, the hope of all glory, the right measuring stick, the one who created me, who died for me, and who has given me purpose, and who sees me as ultimately valuable. May we keep our eyes on him. And then thirdly and finally, the way to know that you are using the right measuring stick is that you cling to the giver more than the gift. Now let's be real, we love the gift. And there is nothing wrong with loving your job, with loving your house. The difference is the way that you hold those blessings, the way that you hold that gift. Do you cling to it and God has to rip your fingers off of it in order for you to let go and you are devastated? Or do you hold it lightly and you are simply disappointed? And the way we evaluate the loss of a gift reveals how much we were clinging to it. Are we devastated or are we disappointed? The reality is in Romans 1, because we tend to value the gift over the giver, Romans 1 we are told that we will be tempted to love the created more than the creator. We will be tempted to love the gift more than the giver. We're all this way. Well, Mirabel finally discovers she has value apart from her abilities. Watch this scene. We see how bright you burn. We see how brave you have Now see yourself in the You're the real gift, kid. Let us in. Open your eyes. 
I see me, all of me. So back to our question, what do you do when you don't measure up? And I want to suggest to you that when you feel like you don't measure up, you are using the wrong measuring stick. Because there has never been a moment in your life where you didn't measure up. You know why I know that? Because you are God's poem. God went to the cross to display his love for you. And he has put in your heart purposes that you have been uniquely created to accomplish. There has never been a moment when you didn't measure up to worth and value of our creator. Are there moments I need to admit my guilt? Yes. But do I ever decrease in value to the creator of this universe? Absolutely not. And yet when I look around this world, there is a completely different measuring stick that's valuing things that don't, aren't valuable to God. You see, it's not what I do after all. It turns out it's what God has already done. So if you hear nothing else, I hope you'll embrace this bottom line truth. My value, your value, is not found in what I can do, but what's been done for me. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. You are God's handiwork. Now, I want to give you a chance just to kind of self-assess. Okay, where are you? Which measuring stick have you been using recently? Because in seasons of life, we probably go back and forth. In fact, the best way, if you're like me, is to think of someone that I know. In my case, it would be my wife, Ginger. I don't know who that would be for you. Somebody who knows you well. And if they were evaluating you, which measuring stick do they see you measuring up against most often? So let me give you these three questions that might help you kind of self-assess. When someone else measures you, what do they see? Are you currently prioritizing gifts or the giver? Are your eyes on others or on God? And are you disappointed or devastated? Not if, but when you lose a gift. You are God's poem. You are his handiwork. And you have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And he says, because of that, you have been perfectly designed to do what he wants you to do. That, that is worth celebrating today. So I just want to tell you, we're going to continue this series. I hope you'll come back with us next week. We're going to premiere a different movie, and we're going to be actually next week talking about what do, how do we respond to significant loss in our life. So come next week. We'll have some popcorn. We're going to have some invitations for you on the way out today. Bring somebody with you. We'll have some fun together next week. I'm so glad that you were here today. And do this. Would you just stand with me today? I want to lead us in prayer, and then we're going to sing one final song together. Stand with me if you would. Join me in prayer. Father, I do thank you so much to just know that no matter what I tell myself, no matter what I hear others say, or no matter what I read into others, I have worth, I have value, I have purpose, I am loved by you. Every person in this room, lift their head again. Maybe there's some health issues that are going on in their life. Maybe there's just the financial burden that they're carrying. Maybe there's some kind of disappointment. They thought they'd be in a different place than they are right now. But here they are. Oh God, may we not determine our worth based on our circumstances, 
but based on you. God, may we hear from you again and just how much we're loved. May we lift in that because when we do, we can do those good works you've called us to do. We can impact the community in a great way when we settle this once and for all. May we use the right measuring stick, recognizing we are your handiwork, Father. Change us, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.